0: Welcome my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm yours, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, August 17th. We are here live and it's time for another episode of Destination Health. We've got a big day lined up for you today. We'll do Destination Health. We'll be here for the next hour or until we run out of your questions. It's totally up to you. Then I will be joined by Lauren for After hours with Kevin and Lauren. I am probably going to skip live today. Um, If Lauren wants to do one today, she can. We'll see. Um, So line up the calls. Phone lines are open right now. I don't have a big theme today. I do have a lot of odds and ends I'll probably talk about and catch up on a few things while. I'm waiting for some calls to come in. But today is really all about you and what's on your mind. So lines are open. Pick up the phone and give me a call. 855-950-3835. Anything to do with health today counts. So pick up the phone and join me. All right. So uh, I am kind of all over the board this morning. How do I want to start this? Let's get the... uh, the boring negative stuff out of the way. Um, I read an article about the FMCSA Today Uh, And this is health related. I didn't know this. I don't know if anybody else knew this or not. Nobody's ever mentioned it to me. And we talk about these kind of issues. eh, Not a lot, but fairly often. Yeah, And what I'm talking about are DOT physicals, rules, regulations. What can you get a limited card for? Could you be disqualified? There seems to be a lot of confusion. How much power does the doctor have? What can they do? What are they supposed to do? Well, now I understand why when this topic comes up, there's so much confusion. So um, here's here's why. I didn't realize this. The FMCSA on Tuesday published a notice of proposed regulatory guidance that includes an updated medical examiner's health book. Well, that's good. I'm glad they're updating it. But listen to this. With proposed changes, seven years after the agency withdrew the existing handbook due to obsolete information. It was obsolete seven years ago. They just said, OK, this is obsolete. We're going to take it away. The, the, the book doesn't exist anymore. The medical examiner's handbook, we're just we're getting rid of it because it's obsolete. That was 7 years ago. This is why the government needs to do a lot less of everything. The government sucks at doing anything. Imagine a business that had this, you know, primary function and realizes their information is obsolete to do this primary function. Safety for the FMCSA is a pretty big thing. Driver health and safety, they make it a big thing. So if it's so important, how did you let the material become obsolete in the first place? How long did that take for the material to become obsolete? Then how long did it take for you to realize it was obsolete? And then when you did and you withdraw the book, it's seven years before you come up with anything new. Businesses could never survive like that. You can't go seven months in business doing something like that. But it's the government. So uh, since 2015, I did not know this, medical examiners have been making truck drivers physical qualification determinations on a case-by-case basis. The the medical examiners have been on their own. They could just tell you, no, I'm not giving you a card. Or they might be giving card two-year cards to people who are completely unhealthy. There's zero guidelines from the FMCSA on this for the most part. The doctors have been on their own for seven years. No wonder why we're confused and we get all these different answers. Every time this topic comes up, somebody will say, oh, no, my doctor said you have to do this. No, no, my doctor said this. Well, wait a minute. Why are we listening to what the doctors say? There's supposed to be rules about this from the FMCSA, but I guess we've been going since uh, 2015 without any real rules. Now here's the bigger reason I brought this up. Here's the headlines for this FMCSA releases draft of DOT doctors handbook. This is a draft. So now there's the comment period. So we all go get to comment, which nobody will do. Um, Here's, here's what bothers me. With an advisory link to stricter sleep apnea screening protocols. So after seven years of not having any rules at all, the one we're going to focus on is the one I consider nothing but a big money grab. And they're going to make these rules stricter. So look out. If you are at risk for sleep apnea or have sleep apnea, looks like they're coming after you. I will tell you the number one risk factor for sleep apnea is obesity. It's also the number one thing the doctors look for. If you walk in and you're normal body weight and lean, the doctors just don't even think about sleep apnea. But when you're overweight and you have a large neck, they, it, it's visual. They see it. Oh, look, here's a uh, sleep apnea candidate, and it's a money grab. The testing is expensive. The devices are expensive. There's a follow-up to it. You do not want to get into this sleep apnea thing, and it sounds like it's going to get a, a lot worse. So I, um, I just found that this morning, the uh, comment period. I don't even know if it's open yet. Um, I'm going to follow up more on this. Um, maybe we will start a campaign to go and, uh, make comments on this. Let's see. FMCSA is accepting public comments on the notice and draft handbook for 45 days through September 30th. Yes, we're, we're right on top of this. They just started the comment period a couple of days ago. It looks like, uh, and we still have time. So I'm going to do a little digging. I don't know if it's worth it to make the comments but we should get involved in the process if that's the case i think the fact that they're focusing on stricter sleep apnea is just a bad idea i do think it's a big money grab all right uh i ask for calls and they're starting to come in and i have a lot of stuff here uh let's see What do I want to? Oh, I want to talk about this real quick, and then I'm going to get to the calls. I may come back to some of this material. I found a podcast the other day, and I haven't had time to get through all of it yet. It's actually a five hour episode. That's a long podcast. We do three hours pretty regular, but we do question and answer. This was an interview, five hour interview. It's with an ex Navy SEAL officer. And I want to finish the podcast and really kind of dig into it deeper, but somebody already did it and they did a hell of a job on it. They came up with 15 lessons from this podcast. And when I read these 15 lessons, I really want to kind of dig more into the podcast and and get the detail. But this article, they did an excellent job on this. So I'm going to go through these kind of quickly. I may focus on a couple. Again, these are 15 lessons and what they are really This is a lot of biohacking. And, you you know, you think about Navy SEALs and what it takes, first off, to qualify for that is incredible. Um, Yeah, I I won't get into that, but it really is incredible. The physical requirements and, and what you have to be able to endure to even think about becoming a Navy SEAL. And then in the job itself, it's life or death. These things, these biohacking tricks are are pretty cool stuff. Um, So I'm going to go through a couple of them real quick. One of them may have actually solved a problem I've been struggling with for about a month. And I don't know where it came from. And I was really confused and nothing was making sense. And I don't know why this would have changed for me. But I'm going to try this. I woke up this morning and forgot today should have been the first day I was going to try it. And I forgot, but I'm going to go through all of these and I'll I'll, uh, tell you about that one. In fact, it's number two. So the first one's called optic flow. Um, It's kind of interesting. It says to reset the eyes and nervous system, go for a walk, a jog, or a bike ride. The forward movement causes optic flow where visual images go by you on all sides while you're in motion. As your eyes move to engage with this optic flow, the parts of your brain involved in fear and threat detection become quiet. So this is a, so they're not really saying it here, but what we're talking about is exactly what I'm working on with the stress protocol finding ways to create our own physiological shift into that rest and digest mode. And we, how many times have I said, go out and take a walk in nature. We know it works, but I didn't understand why. And and here's the explanation of why. Um, and he goes on to say, this has a calming effect, reducing levels of stress and anxiety, which that's the whole point. Now, this is interesting. The key here is that the optic flow is self-generated. So using a treadmill or a stationary bike or stair steppers or these machines, it doesn't work. How many times have I said, we really just, gyms should just go away. If we want to be healthy, the gym is not the place to get healthy. It's just not. I used to own one. It's not the place to get healthy. And here's, here's a good example. So we're told, oh, if you exercise, it'll reduce your stress level. Well, that's partially true, but there's more to it than that. I would say that, and I have said it, I see these people who go to the gym and spend all this time on cardio, and they're worse off. They're more stressed. They start gaining weight. I've watched it happen. Well, that long, um, repetitive, repetitive, Type of movement is stressful and now we understand that there's also a big big piece missing from when we go out and walk or ride a bike or jog in nature there's this whole visual piece we missed we didn't know that that was there existed and now we do now it makes sense all right the next one and this is the one that may have solved a problem I've been dealing with um, I've talked about my energy levels, you know, since going grain free the first time, then keto and experimenting with carnivore and other you know, AIP paleo. I've been through a couple times. My energy levels the entire time have been outstanding. I mean, I, I wake up, I have energy, I have energy all throughout the day. I don't really have that roller coaster slump thing. I can work, you know. Some days, 16 hours and and still feel like I have energy to spare. And then recently that started to change, and I don't know why. I was really kind of blaming it all on the stress and sleep issue, and that didn't make total sense because I've been fighting that issue for a long time, and this is new. And what's happening that I noticed is when I do eat my first meal of the day, and sometimes it's early, sometimes it's 10.30. And some days it's two o'clock in the afternoon. And the reason for that is, what have I been saying for eight years? If you're hungry, eat. If you're not, don't. So I'm, I'm hungry at different times. If I'm hungry at 1030, I eat. If I'm not hungry till two or three in the afternoon, then that's when I eat. But it doesn't seem to matter when I eat that first meal. I get a huge slump in energy. And that's not good. I, that, that is typically a metabolic blood sugar issue. You know, you eat, your blood sugar spikes, then it crashes and, and you want to take a nap. And I didn't think that could be it. I'm not eating meals that would spike my blood sugar. And, and for the last six months, I haven't been measuring much of anything other than my Garmin watch. I haven't been checking my blood pressure, haven't been checking blood sugar, uh, and I've said I go on and off from doing it. After you do it for a while, it doesn't change much. It gets kind of boring. Uh, so I stopped doing it, and I thought, boy, has something gone wrong? I better go back and check. Well, sure enough, metabolically, I'm fine. Blood pressure's better than ever, I'm sure that's because I've been, you know, so regular with the Cardio Miracle. Um, blood sugar's perfect, really. No real issues with blood sugar. And yet this slump in the afternoon, some days is horrible. Like I couldn't work through it if I tried. I have to lay down, close my eyes. Then I get this weird, restless feeling. I can't really take a nap. And, and I've been losing like an hour and a half and two hours a day of, of good work time fighting this weird energy issue. And I haven't really talked about it much because I wanted to at least try to solve it first. Well, again, I don't know why this may have changed, but this next little uh, biohack from the ex Navy SEAL officer makes, it's exactly what I'm going through right now. So it says here, if you regularly experience afternoon dips feeling foggy and unfocused It might have something to do with your morning coffee. Timing your first coffee is important, and the advice is to avoid avoid caffeine for the first 60 to 90 minutes after waking up. I'm going to try this i wanted to try today and then i forgot i need to set an alarm tomorrow and do it uh here's why they actually explain it and it makes total sense and i understand all of this because i've done so much deep reading into sleep and this is all about uh, our sleep hormones and chemicals adenosine is a molecule that builds up in your brain and body the longer you're awake creating that drive for sleep towards the evening so this is kind of the sleep switch you you have this molecule that starts to build up in your brain as soon as you wake up in the morning and as it builds up when it gets to a certain level then you're going to be tired you're going to want to sleep and that's a good thing to know if we're having trouble falling asleep we we need to look at this as one of the issues but um, while you're sleeping adenosine is pushed down it should be and if it's not being pushed down that may be why you're not getting restful sleep Um, if you've had a nice good night of sleep that the amount of that molecule in your brain should be really low but not completely gone caffeine is what we call an adenosine antagonist that means when you ingest caffeine it binds to that adenosine receptor What that does is it blocks the sleepiness signal so you feel alert and awake. That's why caffeine gives you energy because it blocks this sleep molecule from building up in your brain. Um, But what's happening there is adenosine that that receptor think of the receptor as the parking place for for the adenosine molecule to do its job and if caffeine pulls in and parks in that spot which it does then adenosine can't do its job that's why we can stay awake with caffeine longer and other stimulants work the same way Um, once that caffeine wears off then the adenosine can bind to that receptor but here's the kind of interesting feeling or interesting concept behind this if the adenosine receptor is open because you haven't had any caffeine first thing in the morning the adenosine molecule as soon as you wake up starts to attach and that's really what we want that's the normal cycle but if you ingest caffeine right away now that molecule has to wait and when it waits it gets impatient and angry so now when it hits that receptor it's more powerful that's what's happening in the afternoon you're getting that hit of this adenosine molecule telling you hey it's time to go to sleep um I don't know why this changed for me, but it makes total sense. This is exactly how it's kind of happening. I've got some other really good stuff from this article that I'm going to work more. I think I'm going to be um, incorporating a lot of these. There's 15 really good lessons in here. I think I'm going to be incorporating several of these into the um, protocol. There is another one that uh, has to do with sleep. Let me find that one here because I thought this was, was interesting too. Um, tch, tch, tch. Uh, There's actually a lot of this that really has to do with sleep. I do need to dig into this more. Okay, this is the one I was looking for, though. Um, This is actually number 14. An hour before natural bedtime. Now, here's a problem. Natural bedtime isn't a big thing for us now. It should be. The problem is natural bedtimes are set by the sun uh, we have so much artificial light in our life now we've we've destroyed that natural circadian rhythm but there it still impacts us normally an hour before natural bedtime you'll suddenly feel very alert and if I, I've notice this i'm sure everybody has at times it's entirely normal seems to happen to everyone might not happen every single night for a lot of reasons but it does happen and here's why and i love when we get these kind of explanations it always goes back to how we evolved as hunter gatherers because if we look at the timeline of humans we were hunter gatherers for at least hundreds of thousands of years i don't want to argue the you know, the biblical or religious idea about time. Um, I, I will use the scientific explanation that we've been on this planet a very, very long time. Hundreds of thousands, if not a million years for humans. That would, that, that's, that's how we evolved all that time. Now, n- the modern world would be measured in milliseconds against, against that. When, when electricity was invented and that created artificial light, that's like brand new in human evolution. And that's what's really screwed with our sleep cycles. So this, this explanation of why do we get alert one hour before we go to bed, we are evolutionarily wired To use this hour of sudden energy to make sure everything around us is ready and secure before we go to sleep. As hunter-gatherers living out in the wild, when we're sleeping, we are totally vulnerable to predators. We were not at the top of the food chain. Not until we learned how to make tools and other things. We were not at the top of the food chain. There were lots of animals that could eat us in the wild, and they did. So this is why I, I there was another book, I've talked about this in the past, why we have these different sleep cycles throughout our life. Like we know teenagers don't want to go to sleep till Very, very late at night, early in the morning, and then they want to sleep in till afternoon. Um, Babies sleep at all kinds of crazy different times. Old people sleep less. They tend to want to go to bed earlier, get up earlier. Middle age has a different cycle. The evolutionary explanation for that I thought was fascinating. That was so when we lived in tribes and were so vulnerable when we sleep, people were awake and asleep at different times, almost like guard duty. We were scheduled naturally so that somebody was more likely to be awake. This one is the same thing. We we used that hour. It was so important to make sure that we were safe and secure before we went to sleep. I just think that kind of stuff's fascinating. Let's, uh, let's get to some calls. I may come back to a bunch of this, and I had a ton of other stuff on my list. Kind of odds and ends all over the board, but... Uh, let's get to the calls. We're going to start off in Texas today. Scott, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, Kevin. Great open. Really interesting. Thank you. Uh, Love to hear more about it. Yes. Hey, thanks for all the things you've done for me over the years. A couple of years ago, I couldn't pass a a physical, and and they gave me a one-year anyway. I started working on keto, and uh, I didn't really try carnivore there, and that came along later, but... And I quickly resolved my blood pressure issues and lost some weight. Good. So thank you for that. But but, but um, I got an issue. I, I don't I don't go home that much, uh, but I try to get home at least once a month for a couple of days. And recently took a. And every time I do, I, I fall off the wagon a little. And right. This, this most recent time, I took a week vacation with grandkids and my wife to Yellowstone, and. We didn't plan any food ahead, and so we just ate everything that was out there.
0: Right, yeah. And they
1: always wanted desserts, so I, I, I ate <laughs> right along with them.
0: Yeah, yep.
2: <clears throat>
1: so a while back, I had symptoms similar to what I'm about to describe to you, but it was only one time before. So I got back from the trip, and, and I just started having these horrible cramps all over my stomach and knots, knots. So you could feel them in your, in my stomach. And even pressure and, and it, what felt like missed uh, beats in my heart. Um, and it, it that one lasted, well, I'm feeling a little better now. That was three days ago. Um, and it's been horrible. But uh, I guess I'm sort of getting back to normal. Is this something that I should look into further other than just not doing those no behaviors next time I'm home.
0: Well, yeah, don't, don't do those behaviors if you can help it. Um, you know what? Here's the thing. I, I kind of laugh about these for a reason. I This is a good thing when this happens. Doesn't it kind of make you resolve to not do this again?
1: It does. It I know. So, really I yeah, mean, I, it, I really,
0: I, and here's the other thing it does. I it to my wife as contractions for birds. <laughs> um, okay, and, and look, here's the good news. I have an easy answer for you. I, um, you. You started me off nice and easy today. This is a slam dunk. I don't even have to think much about this. But um, I, I like this idea of falling off the wagon. It does a couple things it remotivates us to, to not do it again, but it also proves this stuff really works. When you stop doing this stuff, you know you stopped. You get immediate negative feedback. Yeah. So I, I love Absolutely. it. I think it just it's helps. Vicious. Yeah, it is. But here's here's the good news here. So you gave me two symptoms, and I'm glad you gave me the second one because it made the, the first one easy. Muscle cramping. And as soon as I hear muscle cramping, whether it's your calves, your feet, your thighs, your stomach, whatever it might be, it's a – it's typically going to be a mineral imbalance. Mineral imbalance is critically important to our heart because what is our heart? What is it? It's a muscle. So, of course, anything that's affecting our muscles is going to affect our heart because it's a muscle. So, if our muscles are cramping, then our heart can cramp. Now it's not going to do it like a, a typical muscle, but you're going to get these disturbances in your heart rhythm. And
1: that's a perfect description of how I felt. It,
0: yep. That's it. it I, I don't know exactly what it was. It just didn't feel right. Something was a little off. There was a disturbance. That's exactly what's going on yep. here. Minerals are responsible for making muscles contract and also making muscles relax how does the heart muscle work it pumps over and over and over so every second of every day the heart needs to contract and relax contract and relax it's pretty critical that we have good mineral balance for our heart so double down on the light balance if you're not taking any you absolutely need to be taking it uh, if you are taking it double or triple down um And if that doesn't really resolve this, and I know you said it's already starting to resolve, probably because you're back to eating more nutrient-dense food. You don't have as much sugar in there. Sugar can interfere with our mineral balance. So you can kind of just get back to your better diet and it may resolve on its own. But I think that because you know you got kind of this severe reaction, we may want to focus on really making sure we get your mineral balance back up. Uh, Cardio Miracle would be a good one for this. If you're not taking Cardio Miracle every day, I would.
1: Okay. Yep, I'll get into the store and get both of those.
0: But the the good news here is. This isn't anything to worry about. We don't need to dig any deeper. It would probably mostly resolve on its own just getting back to your clean diet. But let's make sure. Let, let's get in there with some supplementation right now and, and uh, kind of get this locked down.
1: Fantastic. Thank you. Can I add one thing? Absolutely. Hey, uh, man, you I've read, read so many books that you read. Uh, the library is long.
0: Good, good.
1: But I uh, just wanted to say uh, a couple weeks ago, I finished that uh, The End of the World is just the beginning series. <sighs>
0: crazy and book, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it seems seems so realistic in this world.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, if, if somebody would have called me and explained what the book was about, I probably would have argued like crazy. And, and I don't even know if I would have wanted to go read the book. I would have thought, oh, that's so outrageous. But the opposite happened. When I read the book, not knowing what it was about at all, it felt yeah. so real. Like, boy, this guy nailed it. Yeah. This makes. But then when I set the book aside and I think about the real world and could that really happen? I have a hard time getting my head around it.
1: And you've been around the world. You've seen different places. I was in the military. I agree that this is God's world here in America. It's got everything it needs to survive and thrive in these changes as it goes forward.
0: You know, the one thing that, you know, if I want to get something positive out of the book, it's easy. Um, We were very, very fortunate. It's not like it was, you know, through anything we did. We were just very, very fortunate to be born here. Exactly. We should be more grateful for that.
1: Absolutely. I slept better after I read that book. Good. Good. All right, Kevin. Thank you so much, buddy.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's go north of the border. Murray in B.C. Hey, we're not that far away from you. We're just up in Bellingham.
3: Oh, well, I'm a couple hundred miles north into the interior now, but, uh, but uh, it's all good. Sun is shining. Yeah. Wake up on the north side of the grass. That's a good day.
0: That's right. That's right. What's on your mind today?
3: Um, two things. Um, Monday, you were talking about yogurt, and you were thinking about switching from inulin to um, potato starch. Um, and I'm curious to know if anybody else has had the same difficulty. I tried the potato starch with the coagulants and the gasserai, um, and I, I do it the same as you. I mix my, uh, my, be it inulin or potato starch or sugar or whatever you're using for your, your starter, your stuff. And I mix that with cream with a stick blender and then I pour in my, my starter and then I dump it into the whole mix and away we go. I found with the potato starch that I got a layer of concrete at the bottom of the container. I had a, like a one gallon container that I put in a pot with a sous vide stick. And, uh, and, and I found that the potato starch settled out to the bottom and I didn't get really good thick. God. I tried it several um, times and when I went back to the insulin or inulin, it, it thickened up nicely and it worked better. Uh, you know, so that's just I'm, my experience with potato starch.
0: No, I'm glad you called. Um, I haven't made a batch yet. I need to, I'm out, um, but we're, we're on the road and I didn't plan all that well. And I ran out of yogurt right when we were leaving. And so I, it's been, you know, almost a week now I've been without yogurt and I'm missing it, but I got a ton of feedback about that. I thought, well, let me try the potato starts. And somebody said, yeah, blends much easier. Uh, but I got a ton of feedback. People said, you will not like it. Most people that have reported to me said they do not like the yogurt using potato starch. So, you know, once I figured out the whole put the inulin in the liquid, blend that first with a stick blender. So you're not worried about, you know, damaging the bacteria. And I just work on that till it's, till the lumps are gone. That inulin is just so funky when it starts to mix. But once you get that step done, then you can put in the starter and it's working fine. So after all the feedback I got, I'm not even going to try the potato starch. I'm just going to stick with the inulin.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I find the inulin, it stays suspended in the mixture, and, and it I get nice, thick, really good, nice, thick rooter, especially the rooter. You know, I get like thick sour cream when it comes off. It's, I,
0: it's wonderful. It's awesome, isn't it? I agree, and I, I, oh. I have not had a bad batch yet, other than like that very, very first starter batch way back when, um, once I got past that first batch or two, and I keep, you know, using my own starter, every batch of mine has been thick and creamy. It's like the best yogurt I've ever eaten.
3: Oh, unequivocally. I love that recipe you gave me with uh, the maple syrup and cinnamon. I haven't tried oh. the espresso shot yet, Oh but it, I love the maple syrup and cinnamon. And it, it just, that's so. It, yeah. Now, and now. I, throw in, I, I, oh, go I ahead. throw in a tablespoon, a heaping tablespoon of gelatin. Okay. Uh, raw gelatin. Interesting. Uh, because gelatin is amazing for your joints.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, it's got addition. All
3: the building blocks. Yeah, and and it soaks up any any leftover moisture you have. Hey. It can be a little grainy, but if you add in some like frozen strawberries or raspberries, it tends to get rid of the graininess.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I just and, had a I just had a thought while you were saying that. What was it? Um. Hmm, oh, I know what it was. Make sure when you're buying gelatin, it's grass fed. I do not realize that oh, was that was the thing. I don't know if I could. We we get. I, I gel- didn't know. I. I know. I didn't know it was the thing either. But gelatin comes from cows, from animals. So if we're getting yeah. something from an animal, we want to make sure that animal is raised properly. There are really clean brands of gelatin out there that are grass fed. Bulletproof makes one is the one that comes to mind. Um, but there are others.
3: I'll have to check that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it, oh, it, it is a thing. You know, I'll, and have to,
3: I'll have to do some search.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's out there. So we should use it because it, we're, we're using the gelatin because of its nutritional value. Um, we want to make sure it's nutritious as possible.
3: Well, and, and to that point, that and the long life bone broth, we, we buy the bone broth from your store. Um, I Norma fixed her knee problems a couple of years ago with just gelatin. Um, and and last couple of years, I've had problems, not problems, but knee pain and ankle pain. And here in the last, say, month or six weeks, I've been, been using either bone broth or gelatin depends on and, because our eating system has changed a little bit, but yeah. one or the other. And, and my knee pain, my ankle pain is like I was on the highway and on the highway, you know, you're sedentary my knees would, after oh, three or four yeah. hours behind the Off. wheel, my knees were just aching. Right. Right. And, and that is not gone away, but certainly mitigated, like seriously mitigated. Excellent. So, so when we, anyway, that was just a, just yeah. a,
0: When we talk about this, we talk about gelatin and collagen. And when we consume bone broth, and gelatin and collagen, by the way, are also really good for our digestive system. That's why bone broth is uh, part of our digestive protocols. It's very, very healing to our gut. Now, bone broth has all of that stuff in it. The collagen, the gelatin, everything's in there in its natural form and in in the natural balance. That's why we really like bone broth as the the go-to for this. And the reason we love Lona Life is because it's so damn easy. It's super high quality. It's just so convenient. It's easy to carry in the truck when you travel. You drop it in a cup. If you have hot water, you're all that I love that. Um, I oh, I don't know if uh, Bulletproof that, that still bone. makes this product or not, but Bu- Bulletproof used to make a product called Collagen Gelatin, um, and it was a little bit of both. It was some collagen, some gelatin in a good ratio, but honestly I'd say, look, just stick to the whole food version here, which is the bone broth. Yeah, well,
3: and, and I do bone broth. I would say I probably do a couple bone broths five days a week. That's good. It it, it can go four to six. Uh, I don't don't often do bone broth on the weekends. Our weekends get messy and you're busy and you just sort of forget about it. Right. But but when I'm driving, uh, I look forward to my bone broth. That's my, that's my half hour of euphoria.
0: You know what's crazy? I love that stuff. You know, it's crazy. I just thought about something. People call me all the time and ask about, you know, this company that makes this smoothie or that drink or and and my natural reaction over the years to those has been just stay away. Um, it's garbage. We want to eat our nutrition, that kind of thing, and and there were lots of reasons why all of those products just weren't good. And we talk about you should really chew your food, and but I look at what we've kind of developed, and many of our really important kind of it almost supplements, but food. It does come down to a couple of drinks we're doing now, um, three that I can think of. I I love my coffee in the morning because. It, it it's a routine. It makes sure that I get those because I'm so bad at taking supplements. Well, the light balance and the vitamin D um, and sometimes collagen goes into my coffee. I don't ever forget it. I know I'm not going to. Uh, but then we look at bone broth is a great part of this cardio miracle. The good news that I'm finding is now that I'm doing all these things as a habit, I'm not fighting dehydration all the time now. I used to be horrible at this. I used to always catch myself being dehydrated because I'd get busy. I'd forget, to, you know, I should be drinking all day long. Well, now the fact that I always make sure I get my coffee, I always make sure I get my cardio miracle. And I, most days, like you, I want to get some bone broth in. And because of that, I'm getting tons of liquid every day, which is good.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I drink pretty much, I have one cup of coffee in the morning, one cup of black coffee. And I'm usually about an hour after I wake up by the time I start in, so I'm I'm close to that point, that hack there that you mentioned this Yeah, that's good, interesting thing. I might adjust that a little bit. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I drink that, and I have a cup of bone broth, and then I drink a couple liters of water through the day, and and that's Excellent. about it. Excellent. Yeah. Good and, stuff. Anyway, anyway, Norma, Norma was at the doctor. She's been having some gut pain uh, underneath her just sort of the bottom of her right sternum, just below her right breast at the bottom of her rib cage. Um, uh, she, she had her gallbladder out. She's using bile salts and whatnot, but she went to the doctor the other day and they did an ultrasound and found that she has some um, kidney stones. Oh boy. Okay. Um, one of them as one of them as big as eight mils Ouch. and they say, don't worry, you'll pass that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, Marilano. don't. I don't, yeah, think don't
0: gonna feel good, don't through. I was just gonna say, don't worry, you'll pass it. You'll <laughs> know it too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. What the doctor said.
3: Yeah. She said, "Well, yeah. how will I know if oh, I pass?" Oh, you'll know. It? Yeah. Don't worry, you'll know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you'll know. <laughs> so, uh. so, I I seem to remember you mentioning that there is a protocol to resolve them.
0: There is. There is. We don't put the protocol out. Okay. and We don't publish it. Um, okay. We want people to okay. go through that with a practitioner, and it's not a okay. big deal. It's just Project. there. There are certain protocols. It's like detoxing. I, we will never put out a detox protocol. If you're going to detox, there's there's too many things to understand to put out a one size fits all kind of protocol. You know, when when we put out a protocol, it's because it it works at least eighty percent of the time. You know, if we test 10 people with this okay. protocol, at least eight, you know, you've heard me for years and years say my my threshold for fuel mileage improvements is 70 percent because over the years I've worked out if it's 70 percent effective, we're going to get good results from this with our health protocols, more like 80 if, percent. If we can hit, you know, 80 percent of the people who try this, get some positive result, then we know we're on the right track. So if we know that and it's pretty safe and there's not a lot of variables, we'll just publish it here. Here's what you do. Just do it on your own. You don't need us. And we publish all of our protocols for free. Um, But there are some where I just there are too many things that could go wrong. They can cause people a lot of discomfort when they're trying to do this. Or you can just get it completely wrong if you're not sure what signs you're supposed to watch for. So um, detox is one of those and um, gallstones and kidney stones. So it would require a one on one.
3: Okay, so uh, do the NutriQ or just uh, make an appointment with.
0: When was the last time she did a NutriQ? Well,
3: it's over a year ago now. Oh,
0: yeah. I- I'd like to have at back, least.
3: Back when you were working with. Yeah. Back when you were working with her on, on her liver problems.
0: Okay. Um,
3: What's that? That's a year, 18 months.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Too far. We do need a new NutriQ. 90 days is about the limit for me on a NutriQ. A lot can change in 90 days. Um, So we, we, and especially if, if she had one at 90 days, I would still say do another one. And we're getting ready to do a little more intensive protocol. So we want the most up-to-date information we can get.
3: Well, she's listening, so she just heard your advice and then I guess we go to Lauren for an interview after that.
0: Yep. Excellent.
3: Okay. Sounds good. Good talking to you, Kevin. I'll let you get to your rest of your
0: callers. Excellent. Good talking to you. Let's head off to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program.
2: Done, Kevin.
0: What's on your mind today?
2: So uh uh, about that thing about the doctors, I remember like uh, when I was living in Wisconsin. You know, we went to like, a, not say, I won't say the name of the place, one of those clinics where you you always went be your physical. And this one doctor was like, you know, they would you measure your neck. Oh, another inch, and you're going to need to sleep apnea test. You know, and he just he goes, and I so I said to him, I said, well, how does my size of my neck? That's what the, that's what my got my my book says. He says, you know, his first medical exams book. So, that's, so what I think's happening now is all the guys that are still having this issue, whoever these medicals are, they're just going back to the old book. They're not even aware now that that stuff's obsolete. Yeah, exactly. So guys are getting hit. I, mean, I, I, I mean, it happened to me with the blood pressure. Yeah. I mean, I got, yep. what, two years ago, last year I had one year card. This year I got two. But then <laughs> yeah. you know, once they breed it once, I think, then i they really some of them are just not not chiropractors, but some of them are just chiropractors. Some of them are just practitioners; they're not doctors, and they just got this guideline. They think that's you know here you go. This is the physical. This is what this is what has to be done, and they don't educate themselves any further. So I don't know how. I, I, to me, I'm well. It sounds like this is going to turn into a there's no other way to put it. It's a big shitstorm. Yeah, we're going to lose yeah, a, lot of, a lot of guys if if something get corrected. Yeah, because and. Like I said, and meet it once,
0: and that's it. You know. Now you're you're exactly right, and you know. Now I will say, over the years, and I, I have to believe everybody else has experienced this in a DOT physical. Um, if you walk in and, and look, even when I was overweight and didn't want to admit it back then, you know, I didn't look overweight. Um, you know, I've weight lifted long enough that, the, you know, it it, it it you don't obviously look overweight, even though I was about 40 pounds overweight uh, at my worst. But when you walk in and you look fairly normal and today, let's be honest, um, when you walk through a truck stop today, does do the people look different than they did 30 years ago?
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, so. I can remember so many damn DOT physicals where if you walk in and you look healthy, they pencil whip the damn thing. It's over in 10 minutes and they barely check anything. I mean, we've all been through those kind of DOT physicals. And then all of a sudden you get the doctor that wants to check everything and, you know, he's micromanaging the whole thing. That's what there's just no consistency. And now we kind of understand why. The FMCSA is a disaster. So seven years ago, they decided it was obsolete. Well, how obsolete? They don't tell us. Was it 10 years out of date seven years ago? Or how obsolete was it? But then we just ignore it for seven years and do nothing. We take the handbook away because we say it's obsolete and we leave them on their own. You're just on your own. Do whatever the hell you want is basically what's been going on for seven years.
2: Right, and I, like i like you said, but I, I think most of them be read back to when they first read it. Oh my God, you know this with the you know next size, you know. Yeah, they, that's why in the last years it, the 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 sleep apnea jumped up so many. I mean, guys, you, how many guys called in? They got they had to go. To the, I mean, the time consuming, the money. I mean, it's just insane. I just it, hope it, they get it fixed because. Or,
0: or hey, have you otherwise. seen, have you seen the latest medical solution for sleep apnea? That one where they put like a,
2: uh, insert something in you? like yeah, Exactly.
0: And that's all I need to know to say not no, but hell no. no.
2: <laughs> yeah, not no, but else. hell
0: no. You don't have to tell me anything else about this device. You're inserting it to my body. Oh no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah. Um, almost everything foreign they try to insert into our bodies have horrible track records go back and look how many artificial hips have been pulled off of the market after they've been implanted oh, okay. into tens of thousands of people and years later we find out they've destroyed their health because it it's shedding mercury or lead or some crazy thing or you know the body has has grown through the Implant or something weird. We have all the um, filter type things they put in people's veins to try to break up blood clots. Those have caused horrendous problems and been pulled off the market. We have the whole mesh implant. Um, that, that women went through, that destroyed health, had to be pulled off the market. Multiple artificial joints have been pulled off the market. People have to go back. You know, getting a new hip is a pretty major surgery, and then that hip fails. They got to go do it again. They're, they're Putting things in our body has a horrible track record, and... To do it for something that I consider pretty minor and actually fixable, sleep apnea, I think is insane.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's it's, it's, like I said the thing with that, too. None of this stuff gets out. I mean, that mesh thing used to have the DVR, you had the surgical mesh, all this stuff. Yeah. But all of this stuff is, I mean, it's there, but it's not public, like, you know so that everyone can say, hey, no. man, you
0: know, I don't want to do that. Or No, it's not. And and if you're not paying yeah. attention, you know, and, and I've been paying attention for a long time because this is what we do. If you're not paying attention, you wouldn't realize the list I went through and I could keep going. There is a huge well, list of guess. stuff they used to implant into people's bodies and they had to stop. But we don't ever stop the whole concept. No, it's
2: just because so it's like what dope not is the money. Yeah, They yep. already need these places that are making manufacturing these things. They, they, that's what they're in business for. Yeah. Make money off
0: of them. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. All right, it,
2: I'll let someone else get in that cap.
0: Take care. Got that's it. Fun. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, oh, Hey, I just looked up. Yep. Um, there's actually nobody else to, uh, no more calls to take right now. So uh, I'm looking at the clock. Um, i got to decide what we're going to do here today. Uh, I could easily fill up the next uh, nine minutes with stuff I had from earlier. Uh, And then I think what we'll do, we'll do a quick restart. Uh, If you want to call in, um, you can call right now. When I restart, we won't restart the phones. We'll just restart the show. That just helps us keep our recordings uh, separately. Lauren will be joining me. and I really don't have anything all that important that I have to get out today. Um, a couple things I might talk about, but, uh, once Lauren joins us, um, Lauren has been working on the whole final macronutrient carbohydrate for a while. And I know a lot of people want to hear it. So we'll, we'll be talking about, uh, carbohydrates in general here at the start of the next show, but also this is your chance to, uh, get your questions answered by both Lauren and myself. And Lauren does all of our discovery calls and one-on-ones. Um, so she's got a really good perspective on a lot of this stuff. So uh, pick up the phone and join us. We're going to continue on um, with After Hours with uh, Kevin and Lauren here in just a little bit. So a couple things I want to get back to. Um I want to go back to one other thing that was in that um, uh, the article from the biohacks from the Navy SEAL officer. There's one in here that was interesting, um, and I actually learned something I thought was pretty interesting when I tried this. Where is that one? Um, oh, here it is. They call it a physiological sigh. Um, The physiological sigh is a proven method to push back the stress response in real time. Now, here's the interesting thing. I've said many times before we had no way of measuring stress. And now we do in real time. The Garmin watch. We get an instant stress reading. It's probably the single most important reading I have been using for the last year. Now we have HRV, we have body battery, we have other parts of this, but that you've heard me talk about it a thousand times in the last year. When I do this, my instant stress does this. When I do this, I've learned so much from this. I just got another lesson today. So here is the physiological sigh. It's simple, really is. And it's a breathing thing. So you take two short inhales through your nose. So it should kind of, I don't know if you'll hear this or not. I'll try to get the mic a little closer to my nose. Should sound a little like two quick short inhales through your nose. Then one long exhale out your mouth. And you do that one to three times. And it says, try it to feel the difference. When you inhale, the skeletal muscle inside your body moves down, your lungs expand, and the diaphragm moves down. Your heart gets a bit bigger because it has more space. And because of the larger space, the blood in there is now moving slower than it was before you inhaled. Neurons in your heart pay attention to the rate of blood flow, so they signal to the brain that the blood is moving more slowly to the heart. The brain sends a signal back to speed the heart up. So if you in if your inhales are longer than your exhales, you're speeding up your heart. To slow down your heart rate, you need to do longer exhales. When you exhale the exact opposite happens. The diaphragm moves up, which makes the heart smaller. Blood moves more quickly through the smaller space. The heart neurons register that the blood is moving faster and they send a signal up to the brain to slow the heart down. Two really interesting things I found about this. One, it's the opposite of what we're doing in the Wim Hof breathing. So, And I went back and looked at my records. This isn't something I was paying attention to. But when I first start the Wim Hof breathing, my heart rate goes up. Ultimately, by the time I'm done with my Wim Hof, though, my stress level comes down. So because the Wim Hof is more than just inhale, exhale, it's we are in Wim Hof. We're taking a big inhale, but not a big exhale. We're doing the opposite of this. So the breathing part of Wim Hof, will, and I just thought of this. Remember I told you the Wim Hof breathing actually increases our stress level in the beginning. The heat increases our stress level. The cold increases our stress level. The resistance increases our stress level, but it's what we call hormetic or stress. It builds our stress muscle. But then the next step of the breathing in Wim Hof is the breath hold. And that's when my stress level starts to drop. And I know all of this because I I watch it on my watch all the time. So when I heard this, I thought, well, maybe this is a great way to just lower stress really quick without going through the whole Wim Hof thing. So I tried it. Guess what happened? My stress went up. wait a minute, this makes sense. I understand it. Why is my stress going up? So I kept doing it and I stopped for a while and then I went back and then I stopped for a while and I kept trying this. And then after a while, when I do this, now I do relax. So it's almost like you have to learn this. In the beginning, it felt so unnatural. I think it was causing me stress. Well, we need to let people know that. I mean, he makes it sound like we'll do this, you'll immediately lower your stress. No, it didn't. I actually felt more stressed. And it's true, I, my stress levels were higher, but it's only because it was just unnatural and uncomfortable. I had to get used to it. So if you want to try these things, the the watch is fantastic for really seeing what's going on. You used to have to go to a lab and get all wired up to try to figure this kind of stuff out. Now we can do it all day long. Um, I have a biohacking lab on my wrist now. So pretty interesting. Um, This does work, but it requires a little bit of practice and you've got to get comfortable with it. But once you do, this is a really, really quick way to just uh, lower that stress response uh, what else did I have in here? Um, a little bit on sleep. Um, uh, um, I actually registered, uh, my highest sleep score in a year, uh, this week, just the other day. And I've been pretty consistent with better sleep scores the last couple of days. Now they're still not really good. They're, they're not, but I feel Fantastic. My body battery is getting higher every day. Um, All of my numbers are looking better. And I got thinking, you know, the sleep score goes from zero to 100. A big, big part of the score is just how long you sleep. The problem I find the other night when I had the really or, or my highest sleep score still wasn't great, but it was my highest in a year. It was because I slept seven and a half hours. The other, I mean, I got a a little more deep sleep than average, I got a little more REM sleep than average, and my awake time and restlessness was a little lower than average. But the big change in my score was just the time that I slept. My my average for the last year is like under five hours. It's like four hours and 50 minutes, I think. For the last year, that's been my sleep average. So when I get seven and a half hours, that's a big change. Problem is, after I get seven and a half hours one night, I'll probably get three the next. It's like my body says, look, you've got more sleep than you needed last night. I wonder, I wonder if we have the, that the sleep score just really isn't a one size fits all. Because, it, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I did sleep eight, eight and a half hours, sometimes nine hours. And that wasn't uncommon, but we know as we get older, we tend to sleep less. So maybe we need to revamp the whole sleep score and maybe it needs to be age specific and maybe we need to get another couple of factors in there. I have a feeling, look, here's the thing. If a sleep score, if the scale is zero to 100, then somebody better be able to achieve 100 or why would we have a scale that you can't achieve I've never heard of anybody getting 100. Um, If you have, I'd love to hear from you. I'm sure somebody does. I hope so. I doubt that I would ever see 100. I doubt that I could ever get my sleep score consistently over 90, no matter how good it would be, no matter how many improvements I make to it. I doubt that I'll ever get over 90 just because of the whole time issue the better I sleep, the more I improve those other parts of my sleep. The How much deep sleep am I getting? How much REM sleep am I getting? Is it a good cycle throughout the night? So you move from light sleep to deep sleep to REM sleep to light sleep to deep sleep. That's how it should happen. Even if I perfect all of those things and I end up, Getting less sleep because my sleep quality is better. So sometimes I'm actually improving things and my sleep score is going down. So I I think as we learn more and as we can measure more, I think we're going to have to start revamping the sleep score thing. Um, So that's something I'm going to be working on. All right. I am going to restart the show right now. So we'll have just a minute or two here. Um, we are not restarting the phone line, so uh, they're open. And if you want to dial right now, we've got Lauren joining us when we come back. Uh, so you can ask questions of both of us. If you're interesting, interested in the discovery call or one-on-one process, um, that's all Lauren. So this is a great opportunity for you if you're just not sure what it is or if you need it. Uh, now is the time to call. Talk to both of us. Lauren can give you, you know, what the whole program's all about. It, it's really, um, I, I think it's our, our best program when it comes to health. Lauren does an excellent job with it. It's It's one-on-one. It's very focused. So we help a lot of people that we never, ever talk to. People don't call. Um, we may never interact with, with most of the people that we help. And we help them with general information. Try this works for everybody. Try this works for almost everybody. But then there's always those things, almost always. Um, even my issue. Uh, if I didn't know all this stuff and I didn't do all the reading and the research, I, I would be looking for somebody to help me with this afternoon slump because it came out of the blue and I couldn't figure it out. Luckily, I just happened to find this biohacking article and it made sense to me. So now would be a a great time to call if you just want to kind of explore the discovery call process and the one-on-ones. What is it? Do I need it? Would it help me? How does it work? Um, And you can get comfortable with it before uh, you have to go commit to it. So with that, uh, I'm going to wrap up this. We're going to start another Call our show here in just a minute. So line up the calls right now, 855 950 3835. We will be right back. This takes me about a minute. Don't go anywhere. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.